Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. So in my previous lifetime, as I like to call it, I had a corporate background. I worked in corporate for over 16 years, originally in a marketing and advertising role. That's what I originally studied. But through my own personal journey, I got into coaching and facilitating and training. Very passionate about human behavior and people development. So that's the space I like to play in, as I call it. And it really is around me seeing myself as a catalyst. In other words, holding that space for people, whether it's individuals or teams within organizations, to shift and grow in their journey. And so hence, seeing myself as a growth mindset catalyst. And as you mentioned, also a passionate advocate for mental health and and wellness, which is very topical, and also gender-based violence. Okay. Oh, wow. What a a background. And Thanks for sharing. So tell me, when did you sort of go into the coaching facilitation and that in your own business? How long ago was that? So I started off doing it part-time initially in 2009. I trained up it as a Imago relationship therapy facilitator and educator, which was primarily working with couples around relationships and relationship dynamics. And then over the years, did additional training. So I'm an NLP, Neuro Linguistic Practitioner Life Coach. I'm also a PDA analyst, trainer, and facilitator, so behavior profiling. And I was doing it in the evenings and the part-time with the view that, you know, one day I would, I would do this as my second career when I got tired of being in the corporate world. But as the universe works, when you keep putting something out there, it keeps throwing it in your path, I think, to test how, how badly you want it or how serious you are about it. So I left corporate in 2014 to go into doing this work full-time. Yeah, it's interesting how you talk about maybe tired of that corporate world. And I think what we're seeing at the moment as well for a lot of people around the lockdowns and so forth, people are physically, mentally and emotionally tired. And and what was the transition like for you going from that corporate side into your own business? What was it like for you? I initially struggled. I will be completely honest. I, you know, going for a coffee meeting with a potential client or prospect or colleague that I was, you know, wanting to build a network with, I felt guilty because I wasn't working. I wasn't at the office. I wasn't at my desk, you know, that sort of corporate mentality. You have to be in the office and you have to be at at your desk to be productive. Not realizing that building relationships is part of being productive. You know, it's part of the journey. So I did struggle initially, but it did. being in corporate also taught me things around being disciplined, you know, particularly in terms of a morning routine and setting yourself up for your day in terms of a, a positive frame of mind and having that hard start and hard stop 
to the end of your day, which I think a lot of people now are struggling with, especially working from home, because it's so easy for those personal and work hours to be blurred. Mm. That transition between going to work and coming home from work is no longer there for sure. And, and yeah, it is quite interesting how that transition between going from a corporate role into your own business is totally different for sure. You mentioned before a couple of things, which I'm going to, we're going to probably, one of them is going to be around the mental health. And we'll talk more about that as we go through our different questions today. But you also talked about holding the space to shift and grow. What do we mean by that? So when I work with a team or individuals, it's first of all, getting a perspective of where are they at right now and what is going on for them and where do they want to go to? And then how do we map Mm. out a path that helps them get from point A to point B? A lot of it is to do with support. A lot of it is to do with being a sounding board and also providing practical tools and strategies that I have gained through my professional training, but also that I have applied through my own personal experience that's helped me in my own journey and, and providing those, those insights to the people that I'm working with to help them shift and grow. Oh, great. Yeah, very good. And uh, quite an interesting skill set to have there as well, but also great for people to learn how to shift and grow and move forward into different areas they want to do as well. So here's a question for you. How did you get into leadership? So I'm of the view that you don't need a fancy job title to be a lead. Mm. And I read an awesome book, which I highly recommend, with Robin Sharma, who he originally wrote the book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Yeah. But they don't talk about his other book, which is The Leader Who Had No Title. Mm. It was the, one of the best books that I read because it really gave me insights into, and it's part of the work that I do, that before you can lead in the home and before you can lead in the workplace, you have to be able to lead yourself. And so leadership for me is being able to be proactive, take initiative, constantly adapt yourself to an ever-changing landscape and have a positive impact on the people around you in the process and also have an open mindset to learning and growing as well. Yeah, well, I mean, what what an interesting book, right? I'm really, really cool too. I'm glad you brought this up because in relation to the leader who had no title, even some leaders or managers, as I call them, who do have a title, they're not very good at leadership. They don't come across as good leaders. And so, and I noted you, you just mentioned before something which is really quite interesting around how you lead at home and how you lead in the workplace. But first of all, you need to lead yourself. And I think, you know, we, I've talked in other episodes too before about this as well, but there is no religion, no sporting team, no political party in the world everyone agrees on. But there's one thing that all airlines agree on. Put that mask on first before you help anyone else. And it's going back to exactly what you just said there, right? So you've got to look after yourself, be the best you can be, lead yourself, then you can lead other people. Absolutely. And I think it's also, and, and I say this respectfully, but I think over the years from a society and a corporate sector, we, we've made leadership out to be this huge, great thing, this, this fancy mm. title. And yes, it comes with wonderful perks and benefits. And if you're lucky, a, a fancy corner office. Well, that was pre-COVID times, right? But if you really look at it, what leadership really is about, it's about working with people, leading people, managing people, and inspiring people. Mm, mm, Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with having a corner office at home, isn't there? (laughs) I mean, they're the big... (laughs) Very good. Yeah, very good. Hey, Paula, the question I've got for you here in relation to leadership, and it's your favorite leader. Now, this person can be from alive, can be alive, or can be from history, but who's your favorite leader and why? You know, I have to say, and I know some people, it's, it's a bit cliche, but I have to say Richard Branson. And why I look up to him as a leader is, first of all, 
I think he still keeps his true essence in terms of being a family man, being family orientated. And his family is always a priority, despite the businesses that he's involved in. Second of all, from a business point of view, he stays the same. He remains true to his value system. And it's about creating a healthy environment for his people to grow. He was one of the very first leaders a couple of years ago that introduced unlimited leave for his employees. And everybody thought, oh, you know, employees, they're now going to take advantage of this benefit and they're never going to be at work. And in fact, when they went back about six months later and interviewed those employees, all of them said, Hmm. we feel like we are being treated like adults. We're feeling like we are in control of making our own decisions and what works for us and managing our time instead of being managed. And I thought that was awesome because when you treat people with respect, when you treat people in a positive way and as adults, they will do the same in return. And what they found is people were actually taking less leave than before. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So they're taking less leave than they were before because there was unlimited leave. Yeah, and they felt I could manage my time because I know what's on my schedule. I know what I need to deliver and I have the freedom of choice to be able to manage my time. When we talk about my retail, my background, it's predominantly retail. I work with some of the major retailers over here, Kmart, Bunnings, Coles, so very well-known brand names over here in Australia. And often I, I feel retail leadership is almost discounted in some way, shapes and form. So when I was a complex manager with Bunnings, for example, the stores that I was operationally, operationally leading were in the vicinity of 30 to $50 million. You've got a team of 150, you've got eight or nine direct report managers. So, so in many ways, the leadership and the management experience that I gained in those particular roles have enabled me to go out there and really help and support some of the businesses that I now support because the complexity is still the same. And, you know, understanding things like your marketing and your customer experience and, and whatnot. But, but it's also a, a story of following your passion and purpose, I guess. So in 2013, when I jumped shift, and left the security of the salary and went out on my own. I really had no idea what it was going to look like or how long it was going to be. And, you know, still to be sitting here in 2021, to to me, is its own little success story. I've plugged away, I've persevered, I've continued on. And yeah, so, so I think that the resilience that you learn within the retail industry, the, the leadership principles, the ability to build rapport with your team and get the most out of them has really laid the foundation for me to be successful at what I do now. Yeah, great. So you mean you didn't take a red pill or a blue pill and then da-da, all of a sudden you're a leader? No, it doesn't happen like that, does it? So, you know, and interestingly, you know, all the companies I was with had different different styles of leadership. And, mm. you know, when I, when I look about when the wheel firmly, when, when the cogs finally turned for me around leadership, it was certainly with my Bunnings days. And, you know, I was really lucky to join Bunnings uh, in 1999 when they were first sort of starting out, you know, their first store was 94 and this was their first branching out into Queensland. And there were only seven stores when I joined. And now, you know, to give you an indication, there's 60 stores, over 60 stores in Queensland alone. So, so in those days, there was only seven. We were a really tight-knit bunch. We were something brand new, but they were really focused around the development of their leaders. So we were doing things 
like running a regular leadership workshops um, to ensure that, you know, the model that Bunnings wanted with their leaders was one that was being built from the uh, from the grassroots leadership within the stores. So, mm. you know, in those days, we, we built the leadership model that Bunnings operates under today. It was uh, just an amazing experience. And, and I guess... What I learned there is that the more you invest in leadership development, the more you can challenge the status quo, the more you can get people out of their comfort zone, the better off you're going to, the, the better off the business and the organization is going to be. Yeah. And getting um, getting people out of their comfort zone is really one, one thing. And I think that's where the magic happens as we see sometimes on social media that people talk about, this is your comfort zone, but out here is out of your comfort zone is where the magic happens. And I think it's a great thing for it to happen. Tony, I want to go back to something you said before. Yep. And that is the cogs started to turn for me around <laughs> leadership. What, what do you mean by that? When I was with, really simple analogy, when I was with um, Kmart, I joined Kmart's fresh from school. It was the 80s. And you were firmly judged on what time you got into the building and what time you left the building and how hard you worked in between. You know, so promotions were, and, you know, it was a really, the, the culture was extremely It was all about how hard you worked, how much sweat equity you put into the place. It wasn't necessarily about how you led people. It wasn't necessarily about how you created a great team. It was was a real personal style of judgment around your leadership. So when I, um, and, you know, that was, I, I guess, the industry at the time. You know, I talked to a number of retailers that came through at that particular time, Dennis, and many of them talk about that. If your car wasn't the first one in the car park, you were, you were going to have a tough day with, with your boss sort of scenario. So towards the end of my tenure, I, I spent, I'm just trying to think, 15 years with um, Kmart so, and, and started as a trainee manager and moved into a store management role in about the mid-90s. And it was... Obviously, I must have been good at doing what it is that I, getting the car park first and, you know, putting in the equity. And then um, towards the end of my tenure, they really started to focus a little bit more around the engagement of the people and, you know, how we can create a better environment. But it wasn't until I, I went to Bunnings that I suddenly realized the absolute importance of leadership that an organization placed on it and that they were willing to invest in it, but they're also willing to make the hard decisions on people that weren't coming along on the journey. So one of the the biggest challenges I had in my shift from Kmart to Bunnings was I went from an organisation that was very structured. It was very tick and flick. It was, we had technology that was helping us in so many ways. Our stock takes were a classic example. We were ahead of the curve in the technology game with Kmart. Moving to Bunnings was a completely different mindset because technology wasn't front and centre. And, you know, and and I think back on my initial stock takes with Bunnings and they're all incredibly manual and no, not a great deal of technology to help you. So I, so I shifted from my challenge was that comfort zone. I, I, I was, I had all this um, additional, I, I support resources and whatnot was came out at the time and then moved into Bunnings, which was fundamentally like a um, a greenfield scenario. It was, we're bringing you in because of your leadership experience. We, you make the business with what you know. So we were empowered. We were able to make our own decisions, but we didn't necessarily have the support around the, with, the, you know, technology. Different story today. Bunnings is one of the leaders in technology, but in those particular times, I really had to step out of my comfort zone, but I understood 
not initially, but I understood very quickly in time the emphasis that they placed on our leadership and our leadership ability and our ongoing development that was enabled to create the Bunnings business that we see today. Yeah, wonderful. And yeah, good to hear that you talked about that. And it's interesting to see organisations that were really heavily reliant on technology and others that weren't. Yeah. But today, I think you're right. I think there's a lot more, t- uh, most organisations today are were very heavily involved and using technology to help them in their businesses, which is good. So that was all good. So how did you actually get into leadership? What what did you what was the sort of driver for you to get into leadership just a few years ago? Yeah, well, I like many other people started part time job while I was at school. So um, I'm a Corinda High graduate here in Brisbane, and um, some very famous people went to Corinda High. But while I was at Corinda High, I was also working. I'm at McDonald's in the city. So it was um, more social, I, I guess, than anything else. But it was a, it was a lot of fun. And once again, it's a, it was a different time. But I was acknowledged there after, you know, I started working for Maccas in, in grade 10 and I, I finished up when I left school and joined Kmart. But I, um, I was acknowledged and appointed as a crew trader back in, you know, after 12 months. And and um, it wasn't part of a goal. I hadn't set it as a goal. It was just something that happened that was identified. There was potential there and I could teach people and I could communicate with people and I could build rapport. So, so I guess that was my initial foray into leadership. But And then I joined Kmart as a trainee manager. So, so I guess from there, it was always going to be a case that I was, you know, leading teams. And, you know, the size of the teams wasn't once again, was never part of the equation in those days. It was just about how do I get better and, and whatnot. But when I, I, I still look back on those days and I just see a kid that was trying to do his best, you know, mm. and whereas it wasn't until I become really conscious as a leader and that, and that fundamentally happened with, with Bunnings. And, you know, to this day, I, I can still, uh, I look at the, the Bunnings leadership model and the Bunnings leadership model is just a really, really powerful sort of a model and you know it was used in just about every aspect of the organization you know we started with the values as the foundation we then had the strategy and the culture side and it was all leading up to to the vision of the organization so you know things like building trust developing people and then that was the cultural side so that was real key and critical but then on the strategy side it was about how do you inspire people and drive performance so you had that really good strong mix and that really gave me and understanding that that is what leadership is all about. It's about building the rapport and developing your team to be the best that they can be, but still having the discipline and desire to drive the results. So, so when you when you say, <laughs> how did you first get into leadership? A little bit of a long-winded story, but I think fundamentally I look at that time with Bunnings as when I first got into the my real understanding of what leadership is all about. Yeah, cool. Because I'm sure there's a lot of young people out there today who are thinking about what can I do or what should I do to start getting into leadership? And do I need to go and work for a McDonald's? Do I need to go and do something like that? And I think what I've heard from a lot of people that I've interviewed, I mean, other leaders that I've worked with, is that it's pretty important that they get some structure around them. But I think it goes back to the piece that you talked about, building rapport and doing so forth. But I think the thing that you said, which was inspire people and drive performance. And if we can learn how to do that, I think that's going to be quite strong. Absolutely. And it's going to set you apart because from my experience, Dennis, and you've probably seen this as well, a lot of leaders are only just hanging on. And so they're, they're only just getting the day's work done. They're only just 
getting their team to do the bare minimum. And if you were to talk to some of them about, well, what do you do to inspire inspire your people and drive performance? Probably the last thing on their mind, they're just wanting to get through the day. And Mm. And that's one of the real challenges I, I think that leadership faces is that um, we have a number of people that potentially may not be, should not be in the roles that they have, but also they're not being developed to give themselves a, a better understanding of how they can perform better. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 